This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club and this is your show. Well, you'd have thought losing an FA Cup semi-final in the manner in which they did would have been what had City fans riled up over the weekend. But the breaking news from Sunday night was that City, along with five other clubs from the Premier League, have agreed to join a European Super League. Details of what that will look like and what's going to happen are now still sketchy. And there is going to be a lot of chewing and froing to come. A statement released by the new league said it would establish a new midweek competition with teams continuing to compete in their respective national leagues. In theory, that's a new competition alongside City competing in the Premier League. It remains to be seen how possible that is, though. FIFA has previously said that it wouldn't recognise such a competition and players involved could be denied the chance to play at a World Cup. Meanwhile, UEFA has warned that players involved could be banned from all other competitions and could be prevented from playing from their national teams. So what happens next? Let's talk it all through on today's special edition of the Blue Moon podcast. I'm David Booney. I'm delighted to be joined by City fan Dan Burke. Hello. Former City Chief Operations Officer Chris Bird. Morning. And former City defender Neda Manua. Morning, guys. Um, so, I mean, just to just to start with, guys, uh, the format of this of this new competition, as it uh, as is being uh, suggested at the moment, is uh, twenty new participating clubs, fifteen founder clubs, who will be guaranteed a place in the uh, in the Super League, uh, and then a qualifying mechanism for a further five teams to qualify annually based on achievements in the previous season. There'll all be midweek fixtures with all the participating clubs continuing to compete in their respective national leagues, so for City, the Premier League, uh, preserving the traditional domestic match calendar, which remains at the heart of the club game, as the uh, as the European Super League statement said. Um, an aug- it would be an August start with clubs starting in two groups of 10, playing home and away fixtures with the top three in each group automatically qualifying for the quarterfinals. Then it becomes a bit of a knockout uh, competition. Teams finishing fourth and fifth will compete in two- a two-legged playoff. The rest of it is quarterfinals of the Champions League league onwards effectively um dan i want to i want to start with you um how are you feeling about all this now now that you've that you've heard some of the details i mean to be honest with you the details of it have kind of washed over me especially the financial aspects of it you know i believe this this 3.5 billion pounds or euros or whatever on the table for for participating clubs i mean none of that really interests me that the, 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 the proposed format doesn't sound interesting to me at all um i'm just like everybody kind of sick to the stomach that 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 this has happened, that my club have been become involved in it, that, you know, it, it sort of is a big threat to the to the sort of fabric of English football and the, the English football pyramid and and where it will leave us after this, whether we're going to end up not being able to play in the Premier League in future. Um it's just there's just so much to take in at the moment that it's really it's really hard to sort of get a grasp on 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 how the future of football is going to look like and it it's it's all happened so quickly. I'm just at this moment in time I'm so nostalgic for Saturday when my biggest uh, footballing care in the world was that you know I was annoyed about Pep Guardiola not making enough subs in the FA Cup semi final. <laughs> I, w- I, I wish I could go back to that so badly right now. Yeah, um, Chris, when you look at this uh, from a business perspective, I mean, how how inevitable was this sort of thing? Um. I think it was inevitable for the people that wanted it. Um, I don't think it was inevitable to the people that understand football and grassroots and where we all came from. Um, you know, I was I was talking talking this morning to my wife about you know the, uh, the the chief executive of Man City, who I've met a couple of times. Once said to me in a dinner at a dinner um, when he he didn't know who I was that the issue that Man City had was it had no history. Um, and then I went on to introduce myself and explain to him what the bloody history <laughs> was. Um, and also that I spent, 
you know, much of, of 1999 moving bricks and, and pillars from the pub at Hyde Road um, into a, into a lockup so we could preserve some of our history because that's where it started. Um, but, you know, take the nostalgia away and, 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 me, and, me, and me blue heart. I look at it from a business point of view and, you know, a lot of people know that I've been, I've been in business a long time, um, but business is nothing if you don't have customers. And in our, in our position as football clubs, our customers are our fans and we should treat them as fans and we should also treat them as the people that got us to where we are. And I go back to 1998-99 season when we were we went to Gillingham for the playoff final and if we'd have lost that game, our club was in big trouble. And I mean serious trouble. And it's the fans that got us through. Week in, week out, home and away, the, the passion, the money, everything that came from the fans kept our club going. And the only reason why Sky Sports or Sky, uh, the Sky organisation invested huge sums of money into our football club after that final was because they knew our support would support them. Yeah. Uh, Ned, and what, what, how will players be feeling to, the, to this news, do you think? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. I've, just, just, for, just for clarity here, I, I did speak to David a bit yesterday. And overall, I'm sitting back and I'm playing a bit of, bit of devil's advocate with this because, because for every point that's being made, I think there's an interesting counter that could be presented there. Um, but from the player's perspective, it's really interesting because you, you're hearing a lot of threats from UEFA, a lot of threats from FIFA and stuff like this. And it seems like a very strange threat considering the fact that all you are is employed by the clubs themselves. So for you to be getting punished based on the decision which club, the club's made does leave you in a very, very awkward position. But for some of these players here, the, these we're talking the creme de la creme of world football. So if those players say that, you know, if the, if if UEFA and so on put the biggest sanction um, possible forward to said players and they have to leave should they want to play in the European Championships or whatever, well, where are they going to go to considering probably the clubs of their calibre are going to be in that 20-man league anyway? Are we going to be seeing people like Kevin De Bruyne going to, I don't know, maybe like a Leeds because, you know, that's his best opportunity to do whatever? And I'd say chances are probably not. I think this stage that we're at now, it feels like it is a game of poker and the Super League is saying this, UEFA are saying that, but until something is 100% set in stone, I'm not prepared to believe that it's going to happen. But again, as I say, to challenge some of the points which we've heard, um, to start with, say, your one, Chris, I think these 20 teams, well, the 15 teams as it stands or whatever it's at, I think the interesting thing as a fan, which I think we forget sometimes, is that the global reach of our clubs far outweighs what we believe it, it does because we have the fan base here in Manchester, we have the fan base in England and so on. But for every game that's watched in England, especially having been in America, there's a huge audience all around the world. And some of these games which are going to be happening, if it does end up being the case, which I'm not sure it will, but these are games which will be watched, whether City fans decide to go to the stadium or not. And then to add another sense of irony to that, us as fans in the Champions League, we tend to, I believe, we tend to watch games where we're playing against the bigger teams more than, say, if we're playing Ludogorets in a in the group phase, don't get me wrong, there are plenty of fans who go and watch everything or plenty of fans who watch everything anyway. But there's certain parts of the argument which I, I personally don't believe are being fully thought through with all the information available. And as a yeah. consequence, there's a big sense of outrage about something. And, you know, when you're seeing Sky, when you're seeing Gary Neville, seeing this, seeing that, coming out and saying what they say, 
Like, if these teams, if it's true, they want to stay in the English football system. I think if, but I'm hearing people come up to me and tell me that they're asking to leave the football system. And if that was going to be the case, then yeah, there's a great reason to be extremely outraged. But I'm not sensing that at the moment. I, I don't think, Native, I think, I think, you know, you make some good points there. I don't think for one minute that the, the football clubs, certainly in this country, want to leave the, 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 the English Premier League. Um, what I see is, you know, it's a, it, there's a power grab. Um, and what I also see is a, a huge revenue opportunity. That's, that's at the crux of it. And you can see by the structure of what they're saying, who the chairman is, Florentine Perez, and vice chairman, Joel Glazer. Um, it's, it's a power grab that they want. And I think what they're trying to do is, because UEFA have had so much bad press over the, over the last few years, you know, with the problems around Michel Platini um, and, and, the, and the rest of the, the board that uh, operate, um, I think what they're trying to do is, is shake the system up. But there is a much better way of going about it than, than doing this, because even if it doesn't go ahead, even if it doesn't go ahead, let's say it doesn't happen, they've got a whole lot of work they've got to do to get people back on side, because this has been done badly. They're going to damage the, they're damaging their own brands, they're damaging the reputation of football clubs, and they've lost the trust of fans. I'm not saying that this European Super League is a bad idea, but it's the way you go about it. And what they've not done is take people with them first. I'd just like to to pull a little bit on that thread, Nedham, that you uh, that that you you started to unravel a bit there, and and just look at the at the Champions League group stage because Dan, I mean, it's absolutely right, isn't it? There are you look at at the Champions League group stage right now, and you know it, it is City are at a point where we look at those six games as a chore they have to get through before they get to the exciting games at the end of the season. So if you give them more exciting games in the midweek and they're still playing in the Premier League, what's the problem? I mean, yeah, I, I never want to see us play Shakhtar Donetsk in the, in the group stage ever again, to be honest with you. And, <laughs> and, 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 and I will shed no tears about over, you know, UEFA uh, being being sort of left in the cold about this either. And it, it's surely no coincidence that this is this has all been announced on the eve of the day that they were going to start talking about the uh, the revamped Champions League, which sounded awful to me as well, to be honest with you. So yeah, it's 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 not. Uh, not being in the, the idea of not playing in the Champions League is not something that I care too much about. Um, if it goes ahead, the, the Super League, and we're still able to compete in the Premier League at the same time, um, that would be fine by me, I think. Um, I mean, uh, to, to, to sort of uh, answer to what Nadim said about the 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 sort of games playing against the, the bigger games in, in the Champions League that we, we kind of look forward to and we, and we watch the most. I mean, I wonder if they would lose the novelty factor a little bit if we played Barcelona three times a season, every season or, or whoever. Um, I wonder if that would, that would sort of harm the product in the long run, but it's, it's impossible to say that at this moment in time. Um, my, my big worry is that the Premier League won't uh, like this at all and, and will, I mean, uh, as I understand it, the Premier League have to kind of veto this and they have to give the Premier League clubs permission to, to sort of play in the Super League alongside the Premier League. So if they don't do that, which seems likely, then where does that leave them? Um, I also worry about how UEFA would react in terms of uh, not letting players play at international level, which is something that has been talked about as well. That puts the players in a really awkward position and how are they going to react to that? So yeah, there's, there's, there isn't an awful lot of information out there at the moment, um, but based on what we know so far, it's, uh, it's very worrying for me. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Nedum, what what 
I, I mean, as a, as a player, how would you feel if, uh, if if the Premier League were to turn around and say uh, you can't represent your country if you know if you go away and, and break away into this in, into this league, and that there there is a, somehow a, a way to put a block on those players playing internationally because there's there's still there's still going to be a lot more there'll be a lot more money and opportunity in the Super League, but if you're not able to play it to represent your country when asked, is that is that a big stumbling block? Yeah, one hundred percent. But to to, to kind of correct something you said there, I think it would be the it would be UEFA if you were based in Europe yeah. that would stop you from playing for your country. But interestingly, this battle here between the clubs and UEFA is one whereby at the moment UEFA are playing the victim and their allies are coming forward to make it seem like UEFA are all about fundamentals and so on and so forth. But yeah. but the thing with this is if UEFA had any stake in the Super League at all, I'm sure they'd be pushing it. But because there's an opportunity here for money and whatever to come in and they're not a part of it, all of a sudden it's the most outrageous thing in the world because we look at, say for example, if you if if you were to decide that these players can't play in um, European competition, they can't play in their leagues, they can't play for the national teams, blah, blah, blah. What is the benefit to them of doing so? There's none, but they're saying it because they want to try and maintain the power and leverage that they have over all these clubs. And let's be clear again, I'm playing devil's advocate here for the, the entirety. I don't really have a true view on it. But because <laughs> I know I'll get cancelled as soon as I say some of these things, but you take away these 12, 15 teams away from the Champions League or the players away from European competition or the players away from league competition and the leagues are dead. So considering the fact that the clubs and the players aren't the ones asking to leave, why are the, why are the governing bodies threatening to kick them out? But then also saying that those clubs are trying to leave and as a consequence, they, they're going to ruin the game for you. Like this is why it feels like it's, it's a bit of a, it is a game of poker and it is very, very interesting. And UEFA aren't the good aren't good guys. They're not good guys. But because this <clears> is involving money, which they're not involved in, you've seen every man, his cat, his dog, within trees start talking, <laughs> saying how like these guys who have money, they're doing this. And let's be clear again, for context, we talk about, they, they were trying to level the point yesterday that it's everybody's dream to play in the Champions League. And, you know, that'll be taken away and so on and so forth. And for as much as that's fair, in the 29-year history of the Premier League, 11 teams have taken part in it, of which I think three have done it for one season. And the common denominator between most of the teams that do it, barring a Leicester, which you could argue is anecdotal, is the fact that you need money to get up there. So you need money to get up there, then you get more money for being there. And it therefore boosts your chances of remaining there. But still, yeah. that's not something that's being spoken about because it's, you know, these guys are trying to take away from your league football and this, that and the other. And it's just... I don't know. I think it's a lot of threats and a lot of potentially empty threats, but they're loud enough to make it affect people on the outside probably more than the inside. Because one thing I saw in the club statements yesterday was the fact that they're still in talks with UEFA and FIFA to get them on board. But if you listen to UEFA or FIFA or other people associated with them, it seems like they've washed their hands of it and said, this is a fact and this is what we're going to do. But, you know, who's telling the truth? Yeah, Chris, it's um, I, I I want to kind of take a view of of the other side as well because I, if if this was announced while while you were at City and City weren't one of the big six clubs in in England, how how would how would you as as somebody on the board at City be feeling? Well, I, I sent out a tweet last night. I resigned on in on in two thousand and three, March two thousand and three, and I resigned on principle because certain areas of of the board have become greedy and I've become less connected with the fans, and that wasn't for me. So I walked out, and I tweeted last night that if somebody was wanting me to sign off a press release um, saying what was said about the European Super League, 
and Joe Glazer's quote was in my football club statement, then you'd have to hold something very dangerous to my head to make me make me press send. <laughs> uh, I would have resigned. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I went to football not for money. I went to football to do a good job. Um, and this is a power grab. It is about money. I take Naden's point about, you know, the, the, the not many clubs get to play in Europe. Not many clubs get to play in the Premier League. But still, our football pyramid, the dream of the players and the fans and the owners of those smallest clubs is that they will rise up the pyramid. You look at what Salford have done. You look at what Burton have done. Everybody's got the right to think they can go right to the top of the pyramid. This takes it away. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, the, other, the other side, Chris, as well, is there's obviously been a lot of, of uh, fan reaction to this uh, over the over the last kind of 12, 24 hours or so. Um, uh, how much of that gets heard in the boardroom at, at a football club? Um well, I can only I can only speak from when, from when I was at the, at the club, and and I could, I've got to tell you, um, it was it was listened to a lot because mm. we were a board that went out and sat with the fans. We went out to supporters clubs, and we were in the SH one T in ninety eight ninety nine, and we had to go and take our medicine for the sins of the past. So we 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 knew exactly what the fans needed and wanted to hear, and 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 we had to work with them. Um, and I'll also take you back to to that that time when we got relegated at Stoke. And if you remember, the back page of the Manchester TV News, um, the day after was a picture of a young lad crying, the crying fan called Leighton Gobbit. And and we took that photograph and we hung it in the boardroom for every board meeting. And we said, never again will we allow this football club to put, do that to a young fan. And on the day we got promoted, at Wembley, myself and David Bernstein were walking up the tunnel and Leighton Gobbit was in tears in the, in the stands, shouting to us, but he had tears of happiness. <laughs> that, that is your football club. That is your connection. This is a power grab. It's about money. It's about power. It's about jockeying for position. There'll be a compromise somewhere down the line. But believe me, there has been no discussion, no discussion about what it would mean to fans. The television audience will be huge. As Naden says, there's fans all over the world. That's great. That's brilliant. You know, fill your boots with all the TV money you want. But we've got a history. Our football club, since 1894, has got a history of fans. You cannot ignore those facts. So with regards to that, because I agree with, with like pretty much most of what you're saying, but... As, as you mentioned there as well, the fact that we're, we support a club now which goes beyond the limits of Manchester, goes beyond the limits of the UK. These, all those clubs who were mentioned now are huge clubs on the world stage. But then to go on to another point there, City fans have an issue with UEFA to the point where Champions League doesn't, isn't as big a draw as it would have been if there was not said issue. So why are we now fully trying to defend the Champions League in UEFA when there's I'm an opportunity not, to go away. No, no, not you personally. Not, no, I'm not talking about you personally. I'm saying overall because that's one accusation that was always levelled at City and the City fans is the sort of lack of 
joy that seemed to be felt for home Champions League games and stuff like this. You know, not seeing a full crowd and stuff like this. People saying yeah. empty had all that type of stuff. But now that's the thing they which people are fighting I'm, for. I'm, I'm delighted that, that UEFA have suddenly got a smack on the nose from somebody or a group of people who can really punch. But it doesn't mean the process has been right and it doesn't mean the idea is right. But I guess... You know, the old saying is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bloody sledgehammer to crack a nut. Mm. That's what this is about. You know, they're, they're trying to shake the system up. Um, and a, but the, the, the bad taste in your mouth is, look at the people that are being quoted. Look at the people that are heading this up. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that, yeah. Take a long look at yourself. Florentine Perez can't look the people on UEFA in the eye and say, I'm cleaner than you. I'm interested, Dan, on uh, kind of like the, the other angle on this. And as Nedham quite rightly says there, City fans have have major issues with UEFA from, uh, you know, stemming back down the years. Um, it's only, it's it's less than 12 months ago that, that you know, City fans were celebrating that City had gone to court and, and beaten UEFA in the financial fair play uh, case. So like, how does it feel now to know that almost like that, that, that fight was in vain? Because, yeah. you know, as a, as a fan... You're watching your club now get into bed with the same people that it was fighting against, you know, less than twelve months ago. Yeah, it's a weird feeling, yeah, because you do kind of wonder what that was all for. Was it a waste of energy? You know, at the time, it felt like City were fighting in court for their right to play Champions League football. Uh, maybe they were not fighting for that right after all. Uh, maybe they were fighting for uh, to, to defeat UEFA essentially. To, to 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 kind of you know a more cynical observer might might see that court case now in, in retrospect as a, a sort of flexing of the muscle of of a saying we're not going to be pushed around by UEFA and you know. As, like I said earlier, I'm not shedding any tears for UEFA here whatsoever. I, I, you know, they can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'd love to know the timeline of all this. I'd love to know when City were invo- first got involved in negotiations. I mean, a, a reports suggest they were one of the very late adopters to this idea. And I wonder if there is kind of an element of uh, if you can't beat them, join them to this as well. Like, I mean, I'm not going to paint City as, as the good guys in this scenario whatsoever. But, you know, the report suggests that... that the American owners at United and Liverpool and uh, Arsenal have, were, were kind of the driving force behind this, and it's a very American model of, of what is being proposed. So, it, so it, it makes sense. And I wonder if, if there is a, is a part of City where they've kind of gone well. If those clubs all leave the Premier League, the Champions League, whatever, what's left for us? Who do we play? Do we do we beat Aston Villa and Everton every year or win the Premier League? Where's the glory in that? Where's the money in that? Who, which big players are going to want to come and play for that? And I wonder if they've kind of. You know, backed into a corner is the is the phrase that I've I've seen used described on social media over the past few hours. And uh, you know, as much as I would love to have taken City uh, City to have taken a principal stand against this, I do kind of wonder if they've had much choice in the matter really, and whether you know what what are they supposed to do really? What 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 is their option here? I'll tell you what, I, I, I love my club to bits, and and I'll always defend them. But that that comment of City being backed in a corner, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. Don't, 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 don't allow yourself to even think that Man City have been backed into a corner. The people that have gone into this have gone into it with their eyes wide open. Mm. When you're doing a business deal, if you're backed in a corner, unless you're desperate, you walk away. Man City, Man City are not desperate. 
you not think that they kind of had to do this? I mean, if you want to be a super club, which City do, why? do, you, not, do why? you have to play the Super League? Do you not? Why? 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 Why did it? Because you know, without City, it's not a Super League. I would yeah. argue that it still is a Super League. To be honest, I, I would argue that City perhaps aren't the biggest draw here at all. Well, uh, I think I think if you look at the bigger picture of how many clubs City have worldwide and what they've done with the whole of of, of that that City global prospect. Yes, they are. The Americans will tell you that City are one of the biggest players around. The Australians will. And across Asia, in Mumbai, you've got the biggest audience on the planet. I noticed that it's called the Super League and not the European Super League, which is quite interesting, isn't it? It, it, it makes you wonder whether they are planning sort of global domination. Of course they are. It's already been said. Philip Lahm has said it this morning, that this, this is, this is a, an opportunity to play football clubs from around the world. So, Boca Juniors, Independiente, Sao Paulo... Please give us your backing. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. I'm interested, Nedham, um, uh, from a competition point of view, uh, what what would a lack of relegation and, or the lack of a threat of relegation, you know, the security of being in the competition for next season, every season, what does that do for competition? I think as far as the football side of it goes, having played in the MLS, I, I think you can think of it in two ways because the MLS itself is a brand new sport. It's like the league's been around for 25 years. The way that they view sport over there isn't in a serious nature. But this competition itself here, people, uh, at, people have got a seat at this table now because they are the biggest clubs in the world and they're the ones which most people want to watch. That's with or without their local fan base being there. And I think that's something that, as a City fan, we're really struggling to accept because we're used to our club being as... Um, as was the case, say, in 1998-99, where you go and see most of your fans because they are pretty much local to the situation itself. But the club isn't that anymore. From when a club becomes bigger, this is a situation you find yourself in whereby you're catering to far more than just people who have an M postcode. And with that, like this competition itself, as I say, is we're, we're trapped in this moment where I feel we're judging everything based on our expectations on prior competition, like the Champions League, where you have to qualify for it and so on and so forth. But one thing I found, and this is something which you're seeing when you see those like ICC pre-season tournaments, those teams that play in those International Champions Cup pre-season tournaments, they've not all won their leagues or finished in the top four, but the games which are being put out are the games which are watched the most around the world, if not necessarily by the fan bases in England. That's why you can have a Classico on the West Coast of America that will sell out to 100,000 people because those are big games which people ultimately want to see. So even though there's no relegation, for me, like that doesn't change much in my opinion because I don't know how seriously the competition will be taken from the get-go. But one thing that will be met will be there'll be lots of eyes on it and the promotion, relegation, pressure, whatever situation comes for the domestic leagues because the Premier League will still remain the same because you still want to be a Premier League winner. Yes, for some, you might not qualify for the Champions League and so on, but six of the teams we're talking about, if we talk about City, talk about Chelsea, talk about Man United, talk about Liverpool, current Liverpool, maybe Spurs and Arsenal, those first four teams are named. If they finish fourth in the Premier League, they wouldn't necessarily deem it to be a successful season. Yes, they're in the Champions League, but they're not aiming to finish fourth. Like that's just, that's just the bare minimum. That's like aspirin to get through a day when you've got a headache. So to be able to enter this competition and so on, I think, as I say, the relegation side of it doesn't, it doesn't hit anything for me because they still have those pressures based in the league in terms of trying to find success there. They still have the FA Cup, still have the Carabao Cup and so on. And yeah, as I say, for me, I think it gives you an opportunity to test yourself on a 
bi-weekly basis against some of the best teams in the in Europe and maybe in the world in the future. And I wouldn't be concerned about relegation because those players aren't concerned about relegation anyway because they play for the best and biggest clubs in the world. Yeah. Dan, it's, uh, when you look at um, certainly City's aspirations uh, of the last few years, you know, it's been said all the time, the Champions League has been the one that's escaped them. And this season they look, you know, they're, they're closer than they've been for a long time, even though it's it's still a, you know, a semi-final against PSG and then a, a, a final against either Chelsea or Real Madrid. Um, is there, does, does the prestige of winning a competition like the Premier League drop if they're earning far, far more money in another competition elsewhere and not competing in the Champions League. Does that does winning the European Super League, if, if if that's what it is, is you know, is called for the next few years, it, it, does that carry any prestige? What? How, how do you feel about it all? I mean, on the on the Premier League level, I, I I would say it would have to lose some prestige, yeah, because I mean, there's already a, a huge gulf between the haves and the have-nots in in the Premier League, and, and you know, we are one of the haves, and it's already been a big problem. Um, and if 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 we're, we're going to start getting a guaranteed three point five billion each year or whatever it is, um, I'm not totally that, that, that would be split. That would be split between the the, uh, the 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 twenty teams. I think it's proposed as it's a big chunk book, of change. Let's just say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, the pay, and and if you read the pay, the, the the print, it's paid over twenty three years. Right. But but anyway, yeah, they're, they're going to get a cash injection, and, and all this all these big six clubs are, which is surely only going to widen the gap. Um, at the top of the league between you know the the rest of the league so yeah I think it I think it is going to skew the competition even more I mean I think you know from from having this conversation um I've realized that we're we suffer from a bit of Stockholm syndrome, I think. You know, the Premier League is not some socialist institution. You know, the Premier League was a, was a similar kind of power grab to this one. Um, I think the difference was that it was a bit more easy to to sort of swallow because it didn't kind of threaten the football pyramid in the same way that this one would appear to, to be doing. Um, and it's the same with the Champions League. You know, I don't want to be governed by UEFA. I don't like the fact that uh, FIFA run run the game, uh, you know, a corrupt uh, organisation like them. But at the same time, um, there is a there is a sort of consistency to it that this threatens to you know unravel completely. And you know, the biggest issue in football for me is ticket prices for fans. That the, the working class people that, that the game was built around have been priced out the game and continue to to do so. And is a European Super League going to help those fans? I don't think so. I'm very sceptical about that. And then you sort of wonder what happens when all the cl- all the power is put into these clubs' hands. What if they suddenly decide that? Oh, maybe Manchester City doesn't actually need to play in Manchester. What if we move them to to New York permanently or something like that? You know, it, it just it just feels like we're just giving away everything that we that we have built as as a football club over the the past century and and everything that we've built as a, as an institution of English football. It just feels like it's sort of being it, it's up for grabs all of a sudden in a way that it's never really been before. Yeah, I mean, Chris, it's it's interesting as well that that Dan mentioned there the the, the kind of inception of the Premier League. Um, it, it's interesting to see uh, a lot of the voices complaining about this are perfectly happy with with what happened in 1992 and uh, and that influx of money for a breakaway uh, league at the top of the football pyramid. Do, do, can anybody really complain that that this is where the next step has happened? Um, I think I think the Premier League was set up very very differently, um, and every every. Every club in the league benefited, and even those that got relegated benefited, and and lower down the, the pyramid benefited. So um, may, maybe at the time the way um, it came about was was probably not what everybody expected. But can we can any of us say that it's damaged our our football, damaged the fans? I don't think so. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, Nedum, it's uh, just looking at uh, again at the at the fan reaction of uh, of everything to do with this. Um, how much how much are players aware of uh, when things when fans are not happy about things behind the scenes? I, I think of uh, the, the the one that immediately sprung to mind when I was thinking about this last night was uh, how uh, so many of the uh, of the fans were 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 kind of behind the Save Our Sven campaign in two thousand and eight when uh, when obviously Sven had been announced as uh, as at the end of the season he is going to be sacked. Um, as players, are you aware of that that kind of shift in mood among among such a, a great number of people? Yeah, one hundred percent. Because I think the difference between say two thousand eight, going back to ninety eight, ninety nine, and today is that news gets delivered to you even when you don't go searching for it. So these topics here, if you're somebody that exists in social media, you will you will get a feel for exactly what's going on. Like you won't escape it because this is the biggest thing that's being spoken about in sport in England right now. You cannot escape whether you turn your TV on, put the radio on, step outside, people talk to you about it, you open your phone, it's all there. So you are very, very much aware of it. And I'm sure some players will have some interesting takes on it. But then the pleasure for them is the fact that they can go and seek clarity from management and people within their club to see exactly what's going on. So for a few of them, especially for the clubs who are involved, there's probably going to be a greater sense where then it would mean more if some of those people come out and start speaking ill of it. Because at the moment, the people who are aren't necessarily people who will be playing in it or coaching in it from what I've gathered anyway. So it is very, very interesting. And to talk about um, some points which have been made as well uh, in the last few minutes, this this is this is great. I, I thank you very much for inviting me on. And like I say, I'm somebody who does like to just challenge just general points to see if we can, you know, get a better feel for stuff. But the Premier League itself is one whereby, you know, whether we like it or not, if you have more money, you tend to sit closer to the top. And the teams that, the difference between, say, what City can spend in this moment and what Sheffield United can spend is insane. But with the money that's going to be coming in, especially for the amount of years it's going to be coming in, it's like initially I thought it was like $3.5 billion to each club per year. But when we do the breakdowns and so on and so forth, they are being given more money. But it probably seems like it's similar in terms of how much money they're being given to qualify for the Champions League anyway. So like I say, if you're already rich and you're up there and you're being given more money and you're still up there, like, there's, I don't know, it feels weird because there's a sense of outrage regardless from fans because cities for me, well, City for everyone really, City is essentially a family club, but it's a family club now, which is one of the biggest clubs in the world because they have one of the richest and most prosperous owners in the world. But at some level then, things kind of have to change. And I think other people who are a similar family type clubs to City and have the same sort of history, they're very, they've, to this point, they've become very angry at City because of because what they're achieving is something that their clubs themselves could have achieved if they had the same opportunity, but they don't have it. So they still see City as being the same as they were 20 years ago, but or 10 years ago, but they're not, if you get what I'm coming from. Yeah. So some of these does it, I mean, does it, does it affect things that, like, I mean, it, it almost feels like City have got into the club and are pulling the drawbridge up behind them, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, 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 kind, of, it kind of feels like that, but this is, I don't know, this is, I'm trying not to be incredibly cynical and not too emotional about it because I understand the world and football is changing on a day-to-day basis. So it's changed in the past year, 10 years, whatever. And like, I don't know, City have earned the right to be classed as a really, really big football club and people want to watch them now. So as a consequence, they can be at this table here. If City weren't that, they wouldn't be at the table. And some of the teams that are, most of the teams that are there, even if they don't have prestige in their leagues at the moment, they do have prestige worldwide, which is why this is an option for them. And the, and the Super League itself is one which has earned the right as an exhibition, not because of 
you know, the fact you finished in the top four, but because of the fact that you are some of the biggest clubs in the world and you face, and when you play those games, like there might be games which happen in that, which are four, five, six nil, because there's a team like City who's playing against a team like AC Milan who was struggling in Syria. But the fact is the audience on a global level will still be incredibly large because it's Man City versus AC Milan. One team who's trying to create like a significant successful history, recent successful history, and one which has had one in the past. You know, so that's, that's the thing. And it's weird to be, I don't know, it feels weird to get really, really angry because City have earned the right to be part of that conversation because of the successes yeah. that they've had in the last 10 years. But I don't know, it's, it's weird. I'm sorry to be dancing around it, but as I say, I'm taking all the information. <laughs> and it's like, it's just, it's just really interesting because I don't, I think for me, because this is what I meant to say, as a player, yes, you can win this European Super League, which is derived from you being at a club that's big enough to represent it. But the league is always going to be a priority because the league is something where you have to play the most games some of the toughest competition and you come out on top and a Premier League medal means a lot to everyone. A Champions League is huge as well, but for the Champions League, you could be playing against a team who finished fourth in their domestic league. So it's not really a Champions League. It's like a successful teams league plus some elite champions. If, if I'm in that Super League and I'm getting all the extra money and I'm playing in the Premier League as well, if I'm not winning it year in, year out, I'm a failure because... I've got more money than anybody else. But you've so, had more money than everyone else already, though. That's that's the thing. No, I think it is. As a player, as a player, you're earning more money right now playing for City than you are. How did Leicester win the league then, Nathan? How did Leicester win the league? So that's the that's the anecdotal evidence which suggests that it's a trend. That's the anecdotal evidence. You talk about Leicester City winning the league, and they're the first team in yep. in how many years to have won it without having the biggest budget or one of the biggest budgets. That's the, one, that's the one occasion. If we're going to create trends, if we're going to create trends based on one occasion, then what, where are we going to find ourselves? Why are we going to find ourselves? These, like I said, these you say these these players who go and play in the Super League, maybe there'll be more money that's available to them. But more, on a likely level, they are still earning more money than most people anyway. I'm not talking about the players. Players can earn as much as they want. The great, the the great entertainers, they deserve every penny they get. Yeah, it's the clubs and what the clubs can do with that power. And those top six in this in the, the Premier League, or whether they're in France, or whether they're in, in Italy, or whether they're in Germany, um, are, are just going to be so far out of sight that we're not going to get another chance of seeing a Leicester do uh, what they where, did. This, well, that's the thing. This is where I disagree, because the point that you've made, when you talk about the money that's invested, that they're going to be bringing in, where will they spend that money? They're likely to spend it on players, and they've been spending it Correct. on players. For the last 10, 15 years, but Leicester still happened. Leicester City what? still happened. It, so yeah. you're using yeah. that's, that's your own argument again. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. I, you, you, no, you, you're twisting it. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is the opportunity goes. In what sense? For other clubs coming in that are getting promoted. You're going to get promoted to the Premier League, but yeah. you're already. A, a disadvantage now. Look at the disadvantage. The gap has got wider. Yeah. I agree That's with what that. The, the gap I, is the, getting wider. I know, but that trend, whether the Super League exists or not, has been happening consistently year in, year out anyway. And it's probably going to continue to do so. So how does the Super League 
like really not, affected. Not to the scale of what they're talking about. If there's an influx of money that's coming in for these clubs, like we don't know the details of how much it would be every single year for each club if the thing does actually go ahead. But the amount of money which is going to be brought in is either going to increase, they're going to make people pay more for transfer fees or pay more in salaries and so on and so forth. But not every team in the Premier League can currently pay a player £200,000 a week to represent them or pay £100 million. Or like some clubs, you pay £80, £90 million for goalkeepers. That stuff has already been happening. If that stuff started to happen after the Super League was created, then I'd say there's more of an issue. But most clubs can't do what certain clubs have already done. And going into the future, the same situations will remain to be in play because as well, when you look at it, I think as far as, say, league stuff or whatever goes, there's still a separate set of parameters in terms of spending and all that stuff that needs to exist anyway. So all that stuff still fits within. And yes, you may be able to afford 100 million instead of 90 million, but the players that they bring in still remain the same and they still could have paid 90 million before, but now the cost is 100 million because people have more money. Like it's still the same. It feels like it's just the same thing. Check out exclusive City interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. I'm interested. I I asked Chris before, Dan, um, about how he would have felt as a board member 15 years ago or 20 years ago if this had been announced without City. Um, How would you have felt as a fan if if you'd seen everybody else go off and, and, and compete in this and City were left behind? I would have felt very disappointed, yeah. I mean, there was a point yesterday uh, when the news was first kind of leaking where it looked like City weren't involved in it. And for those five minutes, I actually felt a, a, a real sense of pride that they were that they were sort of not getting involved in this and that they were they were just going to let these clubs go off and, you know, play their own little game somewhere else and we can, all right, we'll stay in the Premier League and we'll, we'll win the Premier League every season probably. Um, and, and that wouldn't really be fair either, but... You know, I, I just wanted some sort of principled standard. I think it would have been a great PR move from the club, if nothing else, to to kind of uh, you know take a stand against this. I just think taking taking the best clubs out of a league is uh, you know is not something that's definitely going to happen. I know we don't know for sure yet, but if that does happen, if 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 the top six clubs leave the Premier League, it just it just harms everything. When you take when you take that away from the Premier League, it, it just devalues the products as a whole. You know, what does winning the Premier League mean to Everton if they haven't beaten Liverpool to it? You know what does winning the the Champions League mean anymore? If if a lot of the the best clubs have, have gone, it just it all just seems a total mess to me, and a total sort of power vacuum is going to be created almost. Well, to 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 finish with then now, I'd, I'd just kind of like to get your thoughts, Dan, um, on uh, kind of what happens next for you, because I mean I know a lot of the devil is in the detail, and we need to see what mm. what kind of happens, you know, in terms of structures for for this for the future. Um, but City play Villa on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I am perhaps a little bit more open-minded than, than perhaps a lot of fans are about this. And I am willing to wait and see what happens. And, and uh, you know, I've been playing a bit of sort of Nedham-style devil's advocate in our WhatsApp group about this as well. Um, so so I, am, I am, you know, keeping my powder dry to an extent at the moment. And I do think whatever happens, that I will continue to support City in some, some way. Maybe I will you know, perhaps support a local club a little bit more or, or, or something like that, perhaps perhaps channel my money into, into something else a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I've been a City fan my entire life. It's something that runs in my family for generations. It's part of my part of my being as a human, as a human, like, and I can't just walk away from that. I can't just turn that off. Um, they've got me by the Jaffers, to be honest with you. And I don't know, I don't know what I can do about that. And it, and it, and it hurts. Like what, what, whatever happens now, it's, this has been a, a, a very traumatic experience for me and a lot of fans, I think. And, um, 
even if this all these plans fall through now and the, and the European Super League doesn't go ahead, you know that the club have kind of shown their arse over this now, and and then Pandora's box has been opened forever, and and football will never quite be the same again for us, really. So, you know, I am I am looking at this Villa game now, and I am not really caring whether Kevin De Bruyne's injury is that serious or not, because how can I at this moment in time? It, it's just a very strange feeling um, that I didn't wake up with yesterday, and and now it's 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 a lot to process. Yeah, Chrissy, how are you feeling? It, it, has has everything changed from this point onwards, even if it does fall through? Or like, what 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 do you foresee happening in the in the next few weeks and months? Well, the one thing I'd always say is I never sit on the fence on anything. And <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's you you sit on the fence, you either get a nickname called Creaso or you get splinters in your arms. <laughs> yeah, you know, this this is from a business point of view, it's a power grab. It's a great financial opportunity, and it's exactly that. It's a good business opportunity but I've got I have with two hats on as a business person I look at it I can see why it's being done I can understand it UEFA needed a punch on the nose absolutely right the way it's been been gone about I think is is despicable I think it's been too clandestine in the way it's been done and the way the clubs came out last night with with this standard statement and nobody from a football club came out and stood up and spoke about their club I think is cowardice. But I think from a fan's part of view, I've got to look at it and go, what do I want from my football club? What do, what do I want to see from my football club? I want them to stand up and tell me what they're doing. I don't want to read it in a press release yeah. with somebody else's name put in there. I want to hear from my club, in their words, why. Yeah. And, uh, and Nedham, just finally, what, uh, what do you anticipate happening over the next, uh, over the next few weeks? I know, uh, obviously, you've, like you say, you've been playing devil's advocate a lot in this. You've been quite calm to see what's, uh, what, what's going to come up on the, uh, in the future. Um, it's your gut instinct that this isn't the death knell for football that it's being painted for at the moment. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe so, no. I don't believe so at all. And I think it's, um, I just think I just think it's very very interesting because some of the things which matter the most to us, you know, at certain points in the past, I don't think they really matter or they weren't addressed in the same sort of way. And to talk talk about a point that Dan made, like City will be in the Premier League unless the Premier League tell them they're not allowed to be in the Premier League. You get what I mean? So mm-hmm. with that in mind, it's not City's intent to remove themselves from the Premier League because they know that's the Premier competition, but they're trying to tweak something else trying to tweak something else but that's something else is being spoken about and the narrative is being created by not City or whoever because as people have rightly said City haven't come out and made their own statement but that group of clubs or whatever that big E15 or E whatever like that's a group which has existed for a long time and they just do give out statements in solidarity as such um, so I'm not as I say I'm not I'm not too fussed whether it, in the in the end whether it happens or it doesn't because I think it, when it does, if it does happen, I think there will be some level of comp- um, compromise between all those big clubs and UEFA and so on and so forth. Because at the end of the day, the Premier League product is great when you have teams like City in it. And so for the Premier League to kick out City from it because they're doing something else which isn't even associated with them. And it's a FIFA, a UEFA thing. I think that misses the point. So I, I'm, I'm not too worried. I think negotiations will happen. And unfortunately, we're... We're in a, in a place where City, when you see their rise and you see how great they've become, it does lo- lose, look like it's losing a sense of identity, but that comes with success. Because I didn't see many people crying when they qualified for the Champions League. When, you know, for years gone by, they used to feel more rallied together when we were the underdog. But now we're the favourite and it's a, different, it's a whole different conversation. 
Well, uh, you know what, gents? Uh, that's been fantastic. And I, I went to bed last night feeling quite unsure about how to feel about all this. And it's really, honestly, even if it, even if if nobody else hears this, it's been a great thing for me to, to have this discussion. So thank you very much. Uh, that brings this episode, uh, special episode of the Blue Moon Podcast to an end. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. And thanks also to my guests, Dan Burke. Thank you. Chris Bird. Pleasure. And Neda Manua. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, We'll have a regular show again later on in the week, but for now, it's goodbye, so we'll see you then. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.